0: Hey, this is Pastor Ellie, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Bold Church, want a live stream of service, or find out when our next gathering is, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Who's excited for church? Come on. Two of you. Let me ask again. Who's excited for church? Man, let me just... Pause and just can we just give up for the worship team leading us in the presence of God? Uh, let me just say that that is not just a casual sentence. We are in the presence of the Creator of the universe. He's here. If you're new to church, let me tell you, God is not a person to be studied. He's a person to be experienced, and He's here this morning. And uh, let me just quickly before we begin and jump into our collection of talks, I want to remind you there are two times during the year that your friends, that your family, they will come to church, even if they don't like church. Even if they think church is irrelevant, it's Christmas and Easter. And Christmas is four weeks away. So the question is, who are you inviting? Because God has placed family members, coworkers in your life, that they are one invitation from their life being changed. And God wants to use you to bring them here, to experience the presence of God. Amen? I'm pumped because today we're starting a, a, our collection of talks. We're in week two of a collection of talks called Do It In Our Day. Anybody love this collection of talks that we began last week? And uh, if, if you don't know, it's a book, Habakkuk. Some of you are grammar Nazis. It's Habakkuk. And uh, you're annoying and we love you. And if you don't know where that book is, just go to the book of Matthew. Go to the left 10 pages and there you'll find it. It's only three chapters. But before we begin, I, I need to ask a question. I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to show of hands. Has anyone ever been angry with God? Anybody willing? Anyone ever frustrated with him? Annoyed with him? You asked for something, you prayed for something, but he didn't show up. He didn't answer the way that you wanted to. And Because I'm the pastor with the mic, I'll go first. Uh, We started this church on a couch with eight people. And uh, we launched at Santana Row, where you can get Gucci and Jesus in the same day. It was awesome. And in, and in two years, God did a miracle. He grew us from eight people to 200. And we saw dozens get saved, dozens get baptized, and it was a move of God. Let me tell you, this is the most unchurched region in the entire country. That's remarkable. And then COVID happened. And then not only could we not come back for 60 weeks, we did a church online, Netflix church, where it looks like a fire, sounds like a fire, but doesn't have the heat of a real fire. How many know what I'm talking about? We love you, online church. Don't sign off right yet. But then we couldn't go back to the hotel. We had to go back at five o'clock, five miles away, and here we were, a church of two hundred. And when we returned, we were about sixty-five people. I remember being so frustrated. Like God, we sacrificed everything. We we gave up our careers. Our our, uh, sacrificed everything on the altar of starting this church, and now it feels like it's dying. For eighteen months, I was depressed. In eighteen months, I was angry with God. You know what depression is? Anger turned inward. Because it felt like I was praying to God and he wasn't hearing me. And then I haven't told you the whole story. That's only one part of my life that sucked. When you're frustrated and you're angry and irritable all the time, let me tell you, you can fake it for 30 minutes on stage, but the real you comes out at home. And when there's someone irritable and depressed, let me tell you, it rubs off on your kids. And two years later, I begin to see my kids acting up, and it's because of my behavior. So imagine I got this pressure at work, I got this pressure with my kids, and now there's pressure with my marriage. And my God, I I'm here supposed to give people hope, and I don't even have it. I'm here trying to introduce people to the living God, and I need it in my life. And I was so frustrated. Have you been there? Where you're asking God to heal your marriage, and you're helping other people, and He's not helping you. And every day you're coming to church, and you're smiling on your face. How are you? Blessed and highly favored, Lord. How are you? And you cussed your wife out on the way to church. And you're smiling like everything's okay, but on the inside you're dying. Or you're seeing all of your friends get married. And you're like, God, when when is it going to be my turn? Maybe God gave you a sickness that you don't want to admit that you have. And you see your friends get healed and they get saved. And you're like, God, what about me? Have you ever been frustrated with God? And in spite of these circumstances, I I want to say it like this. as, As much as I believe That there is reason to be discouraged in our life. As much as there there are seasons where we grieve and we are angry and frustrated with God, I believe there is more hope in a hopeless situation that we can have. That God wants to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. That God wants to give you a joy. That all of your friends who don't know God, they'll see your life. Why are you smiling? Anybody want that this morning? Come on, but I can't give it to you. I need God to tell that to you. Because He wants to speak. But the question is, are you gonna listen? So let me pray, because I believe God wants to tell us something powerful today. Bow your heads. God, thank you so much, God, right now, that the challenges in our life are incredible. But, God, you're even more incredible than the challenges. God, the needs in our life are great, but, God, you are greater than our needs. God, I pray, Lord, and I thank you, God, for your presence. God, thank you that we can come into your room, come to your church. Come to your presence and sing, and you inhabit the praises of your people. Thank God for your goodness, for your faithfulness. God, thank you for choosing us, anointing us, calling us, and empowering your church for such a time as this. God, I pray for hope and healing for every family during this holiday season. God, it may be joy on the outside, but there may be mourning on the inside. God, we ask that you do miraculous things. You may not change our circumstance, God, but we're asking that you change our perspective. God, do something great in our lives. God, we need you. God, I pray for those that are under the weight of disappointment, under the weight of fear, anxiety, worry, and dare I say depression. Pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would bring fresh life, hope, healing to your people. God, speak to us today, God, in a fresh way. Open up our eyes to what the scriptures are saying God, we may have walked in one way, God, but we want to walk out another. If you believe that everybody said, everybody said, can we give up for Jesus real quick? We are in a collection of talks called Habakkuk, and we are walking through this book. It's only three chapters long, and for those of you that are maybe new to this this church and you weren't here last week, let me kind of give you a quick recap. Habakkuk is a prophet. They're basically heralds. They speak on behalf of God. This man lived 600 years before Jesus, approximately 2,600 years ago. And then for those of you that aren't familiar with the Old Testament, there are two types of prophets, major prophets and minor prophets. And when you hear that, you think, oh, is this varsity and junior varsity? No. They're both called by God, both anointed by God. The major and minor is the length of the book. Uh, I, Ezekiel is a very long book. Jeremiah is a very long book. Habakkuk is three chapters long. But trust me, he's still varsity. Just the, what he's saying is short. And what is so interesting about most prophets is that God would speak, he, but he wouldn't send us an email. He often would speak through a prophet, tell my people this, and then the prophet would write it down. And they go to the people and say, thus saith the Lord. But the book of Habakkuk is different than every other book of the Bible in that it's not a conversation between God and us. It's a conversation just between the prophet and God. These are Habakkuk's private prayers. These are the prayers that he doesn't want people to see, but God put it in the book so that we can read it. These are his prayer closet prayers, and he's angry with God. He's frustrated with God. He's annoyed with God. Why? Because the people of God, Israel, they used to walk with God. They used to to be a Christian nation. It used to be one of the greatest nations on the earth. And it used to have biblical values. But now they're pagan. Now they're woke. I don't think it's any different than our culture today that we're... uh, We left New England to have a, a country free of government control and religion. We're there would be a separation where anyone can be free and worship whatever they want. And yet the foundations that started this country are, are eroding. I wonder if Habakkuk would be just as frustrated today as he was back then. And if you read his words, it's shocking. Some of you don't even have the courage to pray like this. What do you, look what he says in Habakkuk 1, verse 1. He says, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? God, I know you've got ears. I know you can hear me. But why aren't you doing anything? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, steer trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place, law and order fall to pieces, justice. Is a joke, God. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know why you're allowing it. You're, you're frustrating me, God. And for we don't know how long this prayer was prayed. We don't know if it's weeks or days or maybe even years. But Habakkuk is yelling at God. And some of you are afraid to pray that way. God can handle your lack of character. He, he, he can handle what you can't handle. You don't have to be afraid with him. You don't have to pray these religious, scared. Oh, out thou God. Do you order a Taco Bell like that? So why do you pray like that? God's a person, and he can handle your anger. He can handle your frustration, and he wants the real you, not the whitewashed version of you that you bring to church where you smile and say, everything's okay. No, it's not okay. God, God wants you to yell at him. God wants you to be angry with him. Why? Because it's better to yell at God than walk away from him. And Habakkuk is yelling at God. God, you're supposed to help us. Where, you got the power. And God responds with this. I'm about to do something, about to take place that you're going to find it hard to believe. Imagine you've been praying for years, and God finally shows up. Yes, let's go. Let's do this. What are you going to do, God? And watch what he says. I'm about to raise up the Babylonians to punish you. (laughs) God bless you, Jesus. The Babylonians, fierce and ferocious. Have you ever prayed for an issue? And then God's answer upsets you so much, you forgot the issue. Now you're angry with the other issue. That's what's happening with the back. He has forgotten his prayer. And now he's angry with God about the way he responded. And he's like, God, what's up? You're supposed to be doing this, but you're doing that. And that's what Henry Blackaby calls a crisis of faith. When you expect God to do this, but he allows this. And the gap over what you think he should do and over what he does upsets you. As a pastor for the last decade and a half, I, I've seen people go through crisis of faith and one of two things happen. You either walk away from God. I can't follow God who will allow this. Or you deny the problem. See, seen people have cancer and sickness and they're like, ah, oh, God has healed me. I don't need to go to the doctor. No, you're going to die, bro. Because you can't handle the goodness of God. A God who would never lie, never do evil. At the same time, your body has cancer that he didn't cause. And There's a third option. The word Habakkuk in Hebrew means to wrestle, means to embrace, and God wants to wrestle with you. He wants you to yell at him. He wants you to be angry with him, not to walk away, because you can't wrestle with someone that you're not touching. And Sometimes there are issues in life. You don't need baby baby prayers. You need real prayers, the prayers that you're afraid to pray at church. I wrote like this, What happens when you've wrestled with everything you've got? You've given God every complaint, every prayer, yet there's still no miracle. There's still no answer. There's still no breakthrough. You still have a crisis of faith, but now, listen, you're exhausted from wrestling. That's what Habakkuk chapter 2 is about. And here is the solution. Are you ready? It's going to piss some of you off, and that's okay. You can write me an email. I can't wait to delete it. (laughs) Title of my sermon is this. It's time to shut up and listen. Sometimes you just got to be told the truth. I'm offended, Pastor Ali. I'm offended, you're offended. Now we're both offended. But you still need to shut up and listen. And I didn't want to hear this from God when I was going through my depression. But sometimes if you don't remain silent, God can't bring his healing words. Because the one thing about depression is you're focused on your issue more than the, the power of God. And when you're, when you're depressed, you want to be alone and instead of and around the people of God. And sometimes it's almost like you got ADD. You keep thinking the same thoughts over and over again. It's like a record being played in your head, and there's no hope. There's no progress. There's nothing going to change. And God's like, man, I just need you to shut up and listen. And he's saying these words not to be rude but to help. So I need you to be ready. I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need to shut up, and you need to listen. Now I need you to turn to your other neighbor that you actually abandoned in church. Shame on you. And say, neighbor, you need to listen too. Habakkuk chapter 2. Look what Habakkuk says. I will stand. Someone say, stand. Stand. At my watch. And station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he says to me, and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. What do you do when you're having a crisis of faith? When you've prayed every prayer, you've 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 called out every prayer you possibly can, you've wrestled with God, and yet there's still no answer. Here's what you got to do when you're having a crisis of faith. Number one, if you're taking notes, let God speak. I love, if you go back to the previous verses, I will stand. I will stand and watch. This is, and station myself on the ramparts. This is the language of a watchman. In, the, in, the, in this time, 2,600 years ago, they didn't have a national military. They didn't have like satellites, you could, like detecting when enemy ships were coming. The way you protected yourself, you built a wall around your city. So if you wanted to sleep at night, that kept the enemy out. But sometimes the enemy were smart, they would climb the wall when you were sleeping. So what you have to do? You have to put someone to stand on the walls to watch while you are sleeping. And that's the language that Habakkuk's using. He's saying, I'm so desperate, God, to hear from you. I'm gonna stay up all night until you come. Everyone else is doing their thing. I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna wait. I am desperate to hear from you. I wonder how many of you have not positioned yourself to hear from God, and that's the reason why you're not hearing from God. It's not that God isn't speaking It's that you're not standing and waiting for him to speak. I have to ask this question. Are you willing to shut up and listen long enough to hear God speak? See, our God is a speaking God. When he made the world, he didn't use his hands. He spoke it into existence. When he wanted to speak to us, you know what he did? He didn't send an email. He didn't send pigeons with a letter attached to their leg. He spoke. Why? Because our God's a speaking God. Every prophet in the Old Testament, what did they do? They spoke on behalf of the speaking God. And when Jesus came, the first thing he did was not feed the homeless. He didn't start a prayer group. He preached because our God's a speaking God. The question is not, does he speak? The question is, are you willing to listen? That's why I love Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. There's a knowing that won't happen in this room. There's a knowing that won't happen in life groups. There's a knowing that won't happen, dare I say, until you shut up and be still. Turn off your cell phone and turn off Netflix and turn off when the Niners are going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles at 1 o'clock trying to make sure you're paying attention. How desperate are you to hear God's voice? The watchmen. They didn't have coffee back then. I don't even know how these dudes stayed up all night. I would need ghosts or pre-workout. You know, your face is tingling, trying to stay up all night. (laughs) But when you're desperate, you'll do anything to hear God's voice. There are three ways that God speaks. I want you to write these down. God speaks directly. Directly. I'm going to share four stories of how God spoken my life directly. And I want to give you faith because what he did in my life, I'm not special. Maybe special ed, but I'm not special. But God wants to speak to you. But the question is, are you positioning yourself to listen? When I was 23 years old, I was not a believer. I came from a Muslim background. I had just graduated as an engineer. I went to Atlanta with my girlfriend. I'm living a crazy lifestyle. Drinking, watching porn, having sex. And I'm in Atlanta, and it's one in the morning, and I hear a voice in my room call my name. I wake up, walk around the room. I'm under the impression that someone's in the house. I'm in my, my uncle's house. I've got a massive six-bedroom home. I'm walking around, walking through the house. It's, everyone's asleep. I go back to sleep. This time, the voice is even louder. And I can tell by the volume and the projection of the voice, it's at the foot of my bed. And it's Jesus. And he's saying, follow me. And when I wake up, it's not that he's standing there, but that voice woke me up. He said two words. I said two words back. Hell no. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to have to give up this, this. My life will be boring if I follow you. Fast forward a year from that day. The girl in bed with me became my wife, and she cheated on me. Left me for someone else nine months later. And when I'm in my room in L.A. weeping my eyes out because I had just ruined my life, the same God who came a year ago that day came again, and he said, follow me. Some of you need to realize, like, our God is the God of second chances. He's not the God of the righteous or the good. He's the, he's the God of the broken, the outcast. If, if you've rejected God, if you've, you have used to walk with God and you've left and you've come back, God has open arms for you. But those words, follow me, I heard him say to me, and I can't get it out of my soul. Second thing that God says on the screen, he said, God, God said, help me rescue my lost kids. 26 years old, engineer, single, I got crazy money to burn. I went to Mexico in the same summer, I went to Hawaii, I went in Mexico with my high school friends, and then went to Hawaii with my Christian friends. Let me tell you, those are very different vacations, okay? Don't judge me. Not all the margaritas were virgin, okay? And we come back, and we're having dinner one night, and we're talking about where are we going to go next summer? Africa, Australia, Europe. What are we going to do? And the entire time, I'm sensing the Spirit of God speak to me. I'm feeling his conviction. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not even doing anything bad. I'm not a Lakers fan. Like, what's wrong? And I walk up, and I go to the bathroom, and I hear God say these words. When are you going to help me rescue my lost kids? And I know it's his voice because I fell down in this nasty bathroom, bawling my eyes. I never cry. And I'm crying. God wants me to help me rescue. And I spent the next six years going on mission trips to help rescue God's lost kids. Third time God spoke to me, I was 30 years old. Went to a conference in Reading and God spoke. I want you to start a church to reach unchurched people. Then, if you... Notice, Pastor Yaz is number four. What does that mean? That means for five years, she was in the friend zone. She was sus, and then God spoke, and then she began busting. Come on. In one sec, zero to 100 real quick. Wow is right. But listen, my my entire life, Everything moved, not based on the culture, not based on money, but by the voice of God. Don't you want God to direct you? Don't you want God to speak to you? Say, speak, Lord. will say, speak Lord. speak, Lord. Say, for your servant is listening. He wants to speak to you directly. But the question is, will you position yourself? Will you shut up and listen? Second way that God speaks, if you're taking notes, God speaks through his word. I love that our God's a speaking God. The problem is, it's not that God doesn't speak. The question is, the problem is you don't read. <laughs> you know how what God sounds like? He sounds like Scripture, <laughs> but many of you wouldn't know that though. And I remember I, I was 24 years old. I was at this church in LA, and the pastor said, "I want you go to. I want all of you who are new to Christ to go home and I want you to read your Bible every day for five minutes." And I did something crazy. I actually listened to my pastor. It's called a microaggression, by the way. And I remember reading. He said, where do I start? He said, start in Genesis. And every day, I had no clue what I was reading. I'd read for five minutes. I'm like, what did I just read? Let me show you this one verse I read in Deuteronomy. Blew my mind. Deuteronomy 25. If two men are fighting, and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant, and she reaches out and seizes him by his <laughs> private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no pity. And I'm like, What? How often does this need to happen for God to say, guys, we need new rules for the way you fight? Let me tell you, the Bible's not boring. You're boring. And there are books that I've read even a month ago. I don't remember. But there's one book that when you read it, it will read you. Watch what this verse in Lamentations 3, this became my first life verse. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. That's what it felt like at 24. God stuck out his hand, said, follow me, and I said no. I had ruined my life, at least in my eyes. And you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. No one came to help me. But watch what it says. You came near when I called you, I still get emotional reading this. And you said, Lord, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case and you redeemed my life. That was the very first verse that exploded when I read it. It was as if God was speaking to me. There were times in my life where... This verse became an anchor in my life on days I didn't feel God's love, on days I didn't feel his presence, on days I didn't feel loved, or felt like God was close. I would say, no, but he took up my case. When I was in the pit, he came. Even if I don't feel God's love, this verse says he loves me. That when I was at my worst, God's best showed up and he came for me. Has God spoken to you? Does God so love the world or does he so love you? Does he love your spouse or does he love you? Does he love your grandmother that you he's taking to, take to your church or does he love you? And until you hear God's voice, you won't know because you can't live on other people's faith. God wants to speak to you. The question is, Are you? will you shut up and listen? God speaks directly to you. God speaks through his word. And number three, if you're taking notes, God speaks through people. That's why as much as I love online church, There's nothing that tops being in this room. And there's nothing that tops doing life with other believers. Because there are times like, man, I just need someone to pray for me. I need someone to encourage me. There will be seasons where you don't have the faith to get through what you're going through. But someone will pray for you to give you strength to go through. Uh, If you can put this picture on the screen. uh, This is uh, this last April. Ethan Dalen. Not Dalen. Ethan Dago. Javi and myself, we drove right after church one Sunday to Redding, California. Why? Because my wife and I have friends at that church. We just love this church. There's something about being in the room for an hour and a half during worship that just changes you. And we went there just to soak in God's presence. And those two years that I was depressed, there was a question that I had in my heart that I didn't share with anyone, not even my wife. And the question was this. God, I don't feel your presence anymore where are you? And that's scary for me to say as a pastor out loud. And we're in this room and they're praying over us randomly. I don't know why, but prior to this, I don't, this is the only picture I have. There's like this 12 year old, like 15 year old boy. He was sitting right there somewhere in front of us. And he's like 15 years old and he is during worship. He's like, Hey, can I pray for you? I'm like, sure. You're 12. (laughs) What are you possibly going to say to me? I'm like annoyed that he wants to pray for me. And he's like, I'm like, sure, please go ahead. I'm like half rolling my eyes. And he goes, you've been asking God for two years. Where are you? He goes, does that mean anything to you? I'm like, "Um, poquito. <laughs> Un poquito. And he goes, God's been behind you the whole time. I wasn't crying. You were crying. You need that sometimes. You need God to speak, not just directly to you, and not just through your word. That's why church attendance is not optional. You need it. Because God speaks through people. And after you let God speak, number two, number two, you got to write it down. You got to write down your prayers. You got to write down your angers you got to write down your prayer request. And listen, you got to write down what God says. Because often, listen, I've seen this so many times. What you pray for today, God answers, but you forget. It's so funny. People say, God, get me out of this job doing manual labor. Two years later, you're behind a desk and you're complaining about your boss. But you prayed for this, but you forgot. And the very blessing you should be praising God for was your, the prayer request God gave you two, two years ago. But because you didn't write it down, you're complaining about what you should be praising God for. Write it down. Watch what Habakkuk says. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It s- speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. And it certainly will come and not delay. I'm going to spend more time on this principle next week. We're, we're, it's called the spiritual discipline of remembering where you look back on the things that God did, and it builds your faith for what God can do. Because if God did it once, how many know he can do it again? And often, it, the question is not that we have a problem of faith, we have forgotten the faithfulness and the goodness of God, and we forgot what he can do. So we read stories, we hear what God did, and it builds our faith. Oh my gosh, he can heal. Oh my gosh, he can restore. God, would you do it again? That's the heart of Habakkuk. He had forgotten the goodness of God. And God says, you need to write down what I'm telling you because it's so powerful, you are going to forget. There is a... What I'm about to show you is, in my opinion, this is the most valuable thing in my home. Outside of my kids, outside of my wife, it's these things. These are all the leadership journals. This is from 2018. This one's from 2019. This one's from 2020. So is this one. That was a tough year. (laughs) Three of them for that one year. This one's from 2021. This one's from 2022. And God's been speaking a lot this year. How many prayers have you prayed that you've forgotten? You know what I do every January? I go back. And I read, oh, my, I struggled with that? What an idiot I was. Good looking, but an idiot. And then at the same time, like, oh, my gosh. God, God healed me with that. Man, I remember I would write down, stop yelling at your kids. And now I don't yell anymore. I would talk about all the times I wanted my relationship with my father to get fixed. And two years ago, I got the privilege of baptizing my father before I buried my father. That was a 15-year prayer I was praying. There are times where I would struggle with preaching certain things as I was afraid. And, and I'd pray prayers, God, give me boldness. Now I don't give a damn what some of you think. I say that in the most loving way, by the way. I love you, but I love Jesus more. And there's a part of my journey that you don't know. In 2011, when I was in Bethel, I fasted for three days, and I wrote in this journal, God, I need to hear from you. I don't know what to do with my life. Do I go in the tech industry, or do I go in the church world? And I was so desperate to hear God's voice, I didn't eat tacos for three days. That's a long time. So it's very true. And I remember going to this conference and hearing God speak, and I was never the same. I knew without a shadow of a doubt I need to give everything to God and I need to go start a church and reach unchurched people. The bad news is I haven't told you this far. Maybe I have. As soon as I told my pastor, he told me to get lost. Told me to leave. And there's a three-year period where I didn't teach, I didn't pastor, I wasn't even in ministry. Listen, if you're not doing what you love for like a week, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's, I'm going to do it next week. If you don't do what you love for a month, you're going to long for it. What do you think is going to happen to that love for that thing after a year? No matter where it is, it's going to get lower. What do you think happens to my heart after two years? What do you think happened after three? It wasn't a dream anymore. It was a distant memory. And I remember sitting down one day at 33 going, man, what am I going to do with my life? I remember opening up this journal and reading about this crazy kid who didn't eat for three days. I'm like, what was I doing? I remember hearing God say, you're to give me your life. You're to start a church to reach unchurched people. And that dream that had died for three years, God used a journal. This church wouldn't even be here if I didn't write it down. I wonder what promises God wants to give you, but you keep forgetting you want to hear his voice, you need to shut up and listen. And when he does speak, you got to write it down. Because you're going to forget. That's why in the Old Testament, God would often do this miraculous miracle. And then he'd say, hey, 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 I need you to create a monument. I need you to create an altar because you're going to forget how strong I am, how good I am. I need you to remember so that, not just for you, one day your kids are going to be like, why are we living here? And these 12 rocks... Signified, these rocks came from the middle of the Red Sea, I separated the waters for you to walk through because you're going to forget. I promise you there are blessings in your life that God has spoken, but you didn't write it down. So you forgot. This church wouldn't even be here if I didn't write it down. Number three, if you're taking notes. And they say if you're taking notes in church, you're more likely to go to heaven. Like 95% more likely, by the way. Wait for it. Someone say, wait for it. Wait for it. Someone say, wait for it. Can we say it a little bit loud? Someone say, wait for it. If you're new to our church, our tribe has a vibe. We are a loud church. Habakkuk 2 says this, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Often we think of waiting the way you would in a doctor's office. You sit down and you scroll and some of you men who are embarrassed to tell your wife or your friends you play Pokemon or you do something you're just playing and you're twiddling your thumbs. That's not the waiting in the Bible. I wrote it like this, waiting is working. So you're gonna be tired. You're gonna feel exhausted. It's gonna make you have less energy. And let me warn you, waiting on God is hard work. Moses, one time, he, he helps rescue a million people out of slavery. He goes, guys, I'm going to go up this mountain. I'll be right back. Wait for me. The dude's gone for 40 days. And they go from being Christian to Laker fans, like these pagan crazy people. And they build a golden calf. Why? Because they couldn't wait. Jesus After three days, he resurrected from the tomb. He ain't a prophet. He ain't a good man. He ain't a teacher. He's God in the flesh. That's why he resurrected. Amen? And then when he resurrected, he kept the holes in his new body. And for 40 days, he spoke to people, hey, guys, I defeated death, hell and the grave. Amen? The tomb is empty. There's news to tell. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says he showed himself to 500 people and said, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise of the Father. And in Acts chapter 2, there's only 120. For those of you that went to public school, it's 380 didn't wait. Because why? Waiting's hard, but it's worth it. Abraham, 75 years old, can't have a kid's. God comes to him and says, I want you to be a father. Even though you don't have a dad, even though you're not a dad, because his father had passed away, I want you to be a father of faith and of many nations. Abraham's like, let's do this. He's waiting. He's waiting. His wife isn't getting pregnant, so he sleeps with his his servant. Why? Because waiting is hard work. Can I pastor you for a moment? Wait for it. Someone say, wait for it. Don't settle because you want to settle. Don't lower the standard because you want what God's to give you right now. Raise your hand if you're single, ready to mingle in this room. Don't be shy. Look around, see what you're working with. You're welcome. Ladies, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I will disciple a girl who was in a toxic relationship who used an abuser. And she's like, I want to kill him. I'm like, let God get him. God saved you. He rescued you. What do you want with your life? I want a man who will carry his cross. Five days later, if he can spell the word cross, I'm in. If he has a tattoo, Pastor Ali, of a cross, I'm in. Wait for it. Guys, dumped, Abandoned by a girl. I'm like, bro, you need a Christian. Pastor Ali, I've been waiting for a month. This new girl is so hot. I'm like, bro, so is hell. Wait for it. Don't settle because you want to settle. Can I pastor you? Put your hand on your heart. It will surely come to pass. Wait for it. Wait for it. What do I do while I'm waiting, Pastor Allie? Let me tell you what you should not be doing. Sitting down and doing nothing. This is not waiting on God. This is being lazy for God. What does waiting look like? You ever go to a restaurant with your friends? You're chilling, relaxing. Who's the hardest working person? The waiter. He's serving. He's bringing you water. He's, everyone else is enjoying, relaxing, and the waiter's working hard. That's the picture God wants to give you. You're not wasting your time twiddling your thumbs. When's my spouse going to come? When's this blessing going to come? When's the promotion going to come? You don't sit there and do nothing. You wait on God, God's way. Are you building his house? Are you doing something? Joseph was 17 when God gave him a word and he wrote it down. He was going to rescue his parents one day. Do you know how long he had to wait? 17 years. I'm sorry, 13 years. David was 13. When the prophet Samuel came and poured oil on his head and said, you are going to be the king of Israel. He he heard it. He wrote it down. You know how long he waited? 17 years. Moses heard from God, you want to rescue my people. And for 40 years, this man had to wait in the wilderness. Waiting is hard. But it's worth it. I was 30 years old when God spoke that word. I was 37 when we started this place. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have the character to handle, but he gave me the hope to encourage me to go in a certain direction. And let me just warn some of you. There are some things God speaks that you will never see, but your children will. God spoke to Moses and said, you're going to lead these people out of slavery into the promised land. And Moses only saw half of that promise. He never went into the promised land. You know who did? The next generation, Joshua. There are some people in this room, many of you don't know this, but there was another church in this room for 30, 40 years before we ever came in. The previous pastor was a a man by the name of Jerry Chapman. Rest in peace. He's in heaven right now some of the old timers told me about a prophecy that this man had that one day this building would be filled with multiple services with hundreds of young people and they would ask Pastor Jerry is that going to happen he said wait for it wait for it and we're on the verge of going to two services because there are some things that may not happen in our lifetime but it may be for our children Pastor Allie, that's hard. That's why God says this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous, next verse, the righteous will live by faith. Because if you want to see what God's doing, you got to close your eyes. Because you can't see it with sight, you got to see it with faith. God, I, I don't understand. How are you going to? bless us. How are you going to use us by raising up the Babylonians? But God, I trust you. Watch what he says, but for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. I know the earth right now is not filled with the knowledge of God, but it will be. That's what he's saying. I'm prophesying. One day the whole world will worship Jesus. And then he ends with this, but the Lord is still his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him, regardless of your marriage, regardless of your finances or your depression. God is good. And he will speak if you allow him to. And when he does, write it down and wait for it. Someone say, wait for it. Because our God's good. In spite of your circumstance. Because anyone can worship God for what he does. But will you worship for who he is? I get every person to stand real quick. Last week, we sung a song that we wrote in-house called Again in Our Day. And in a moment, the worship team's going to come up. It's another song that we wrote again in-house called Surrendered. Because what I'm asking you to do is release the outcome to God. I'm saying it may not go the way that you want. Your depression may still be there tomorrow. Your marriage may still be broken a week from now. Your children who walked away from God may not come back to church next week, but will you still wait on God? Will you wait for him to speak? Will you still worship him? Will you surrender? In a moment, the worship team is going to sing these songs, encouraging us to do just that. Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.